I encourage people, that person that they always wanted is still there. It didn't go anywhere. That amazing person that you know you are, uh, it is there. It is there. If you struggle with weight all your life, if you struggled with how you respond in the heat of the moment, if you found yourself being short-tempered, if you find yourself always lethargic, constipated, tired, angry, you can actually have a complete reversal. From your diet to learning breathing, we've never been taught how to breathe. It's unbelievable. The most important thing you could do for yourself, we've never been taught. We never sat down and taught children. This is how you're supposed to breathe. How do you deal with stress? How do you deal with anxiety? And so go on this amazing journey of watching how you really start taking care of this most important person in your life, and that's yourself. And you will never believe the human being you knew you could always become. It's going to like materialize out of nowhere. <laughs> and I just encourage people just to take the leap of faith. And then start, let me just try one day a week not having meat. And you're going to find out the sun comes out. <laughs> and then start, let me just learn about these different breathing exercises that have been around for thousands of years and what meditation actually is. And people are going to slowly start adding things to their repertoire, more and more things, and they're going to find themselves becoming this totally different human being, but a human being that they always were. And then they're going to really start not just existing, they're going to start living life every day. That's Eric Adams, and this is The Ritual Podcast. The Rich Roll Podcast. What's happening, people? Good to be here, good to have you. As many of you guys know, I was in New York City recently, a couple of weeks ago, and one of the many occasions for that trip was the opportunity to sit down with today's remarkable guest, Brooklyn Borough President and soon to be New York City's next mayor, Eric Adams. And it was an experience that did not disappoint. You might've heard Eric's name because as the current Democratic nominee for the mayorship of New York City, uh, in recent months, this has put him on the map as a sort of national media figure. By way of background, Eric is a former police officer with NYPD. It's a 22 year career wherein Eric made great progress reforming that institution from within, well in advance of it being Vogue before retiring from the force as a captain and entering the world of politics, serving four terms as a New York State Senator before becoming the first African-American borough president of Brooklyn. Those who have followed this mayoral race more closely likely already know that it's essentially been focused on one issue, law and order. And lost in this media cycle about today's guest is this incredible commitment that he has to revolutionizing health policy, which is a direct result of his very personal experience with chronic lifestyle disease. Five years ago, at the age of 54, Eric woke up unable to read his alarm clock and concerned, as you might imagine, about his vision, as well as numbness in his extremities. He reluctantly goes to the doctor, who in turn delivers this very grim diagnosis of advanced type two diabetes. Progressive eyesight loss was inevitable. His nerve damage was leading him on a path towards amputation. 
And going on a battery of medications for the rest of his life was just an absolute given. But Eric, refusing to believe his fate was sealed, decides instead to take matters into his own hands. Rather than Googling living with diabetes, instead he Googles reversing diabetes. And what he finds is a plethora of support, science, experts, many of which have appeared on this show that inspired him to ditch his lifelong allegiance to the standard American diet in favor of a whole food plant-based diet. Within weeks of this nutritional shift and without any medication whatsoever, Eric's symptoms subside, his diabetes indeed reverses over time, his vision returns, his nerves repair themselves. And in the months that followed, he lowers his cholesterol by 30 points, he drops 35 pounds, and essentially a new lease on life was born. Now, five years hence, Eric is the fittest he's ever been. His remarkable transformation instigated him to share what he learned and inspired him to create impact through some pretty radical initiatives as Brooklyn Borough President to improve the nutrition, the health, and the lives of New Yorkers and beyond. And it's a commitment he's adamant about expanding as New York's next mayor. It's an incredible story, well told by an incredible storyteller, and it's coming right up, but first. We're brought to you today by Momentus. Over the last 16 years, I can safely say that I have tried almost every single plant-based protein out there. And I can tell you that most of them are highly processed with tons of additives and or they taste terrible, they're not third-party tested or simply just don't hit the nutritional bullseye with a legit science-supported formula with the appropriate amino acid profile that promotes optimal nutrient absorption, which is all just a long way of saying how enthusiastic I was to be introduced to Momentus's 100% plant-based protein, which solves for all of the above and then some with a precise blend of pea and rice proteins, which yields a complete amino acid profile, tastes great, and has become my go-to to ensure my body is supplied with energy for proper recovery and function. Momentous products are simply the best in the industry, which is why they're used by over 90% of NFL teams, by Olympians, Tour de France champs, and world-class athletes across every sport. With all the BS in the supplement world, I trust Momentous's industry-leading quality standards and quality. Try Momentous for yourself by going to livemomentous.com slash richroll for 20% off plant-based protein and all of their top-of-the-line products. That's L-I-V-E-M-O-M-E-N-T-O-U-S dot com slash richroll for 20% off. We're brought to you today by On. I am a total gearhead. I love researching the latest technology for the sports I enjoy. And I've learned that people often overlook apparel. But what you wear isn't just clothes. It is, without a doubt, technology. Technology that can make or break a performance. And I can tell you, after spending two full days meeting with the apparel wizards at On Labs in Zurich, that On is innovating in this space like no other with next-gen premium fabrics and just this heightened level of sophistication and precision and testing and development and intentionality previously unheard of that puts them just miles beyond the competition. 
I've been rocking Ons high-performance running apparel, including the long tees, the weather jackets, even the climate jacket, all super lightweight, tailor fit, built to move, and just gorgeous to get you out and get it done in fleet foot comfort, no matter the weather. I'm super proud to be a brand partner with this impressive team from increasing product sustainability to improved energy return and impact protection, truly Swiss innovation at its finest. To get you moving, On is offering an exclusive 10% discount. To redeem, head over to on.com slash richroll and use code richroll10 at checkout. We're brought to you today by recovery.com. I've been in recovery for a long time. It's not hyperbolic to say that I owe everything good in my life to sobriety. And it all began with treatment and experience that I had that quite literally saved my life. And in the many years since, I've in turn helped many suffering addicts and their loved ones find treatment. And with that, I know all too well just how confusing and how overwhelming and how challenging it can be to find the right place and the right level of care, especially because unfortunately, not all treatment resources adhere to ethical practices. It's a real problem a problem I'm now happy and proud to share has been solved by the people at recovery.com who created an online support portal designed to guide, to support, and empower you to find the ideal level of care tailored to your personal needs. They've partnered with the best global behavioral health providers to cover the full spectrum of behavioral health disorders, including substance use disorders, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, gambling addictions, and more. Navigating their site is simple. Search by insurance coverage, location, treatment type, you name it. Plus, you can read reviews from former patients to help you decide. Whether you're a busy exec, a parent of a struggling teen, or battling addiction yourself, I feel you. I empathize with you. I really do. And they have treatment options for you. Life and recovery is wonderful, and recovery.com is your partner in starting that journey. When you or a loved one need help, go to recovery.com and take the first step towards recovery. To find the best treatment option for you or a loved one, again, go to recovery.com. Okay, Eric Adams, New York City's next mayor. Here's the thing though. This isn't really a conversation about politics. It's a conversation about plants, the power of plants to heal, told through the lens of Eric's remarkable journey from ill to well, and the purpose-driven mission it has birthed within him to revolutionize health across America. I appreciate Eric for taking time out of his busy schedule to talk with me. We only had a tight hour, but I think we really made the most of it. I suspect you will find this conversation inspiring, wanting to know more about Eric, in which case you should certainly check out his book, Healthy at Last, a plant-based approach to preventing and reversing diabetes and other chronic illnesses. And with that, I give you Eric Adams. Thank you so much for doing this. No, you're welcome. You're welcome. Rachel sings your praises. She's like my veteran. Yeah, we've been uh, going back and forth. Actually. 
I think for years trying to make this happen. Um, but the timing, I always trust the timing and this so is a true. very, very special moment for you right yes, now. So yes. I feel privileged to <laughs> grab an hour of your, out of your busy day. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because we only have an hour, I mean, there's so many things that I would love to explore with you, the current problems New York City faces, gun control, police reform and the like. Uh, but because we only have an hour to make the most of that, uh, I think it, we would be best served by focusing the conversation on health and your personal health journey, your commitment to sharing what you've learned and and leveraging that experience really to create policy change and programs, systems to address everything from food insecurity to improving personal health and the lives of your constituents. So you yep. game for that? Mm-hmm. Yep. First of all, the uh, the earring looks good though. <laughs> Can you tell that story really quick? Uh, on on a- I want to go to that, but I want to go to something else that mm-hmm. you that you touched on, which is so so important. Um, we don't connect the dots. What we are facing is all the same thing, mm-hmm. and we sometimes believe uh, that uh, it's separate, but it's not. You know, uh, the universe we 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 live in is an ecosystem, and so everything is part of that ecosystem. And we we live on this unbalance; it throws off everything. And so um, you use the term system which is important. And you also use the term of, you know, we wanna talk about my health, Mm -hmm. but we are unhealthy society and everything we do is unhealthy. We have a junk food mindset, both for our our nutritional standards, as well as our emotional standard, our spiritual, you know, we are really in a bad place. Mm -hmm. And it's being expedited uh, through this, our addiction to social media. That's the the McDonald's of our mind. Sure, (laughs) and you can't solve the big problems. You can't solve or address the macro problems without addressing the micro problems, the problems with within ourselves, right? right? We have to carry a certain vibration of truth and integrity and authenticity. There has to be an integration, right? You have to be in balance with yourself That's and your right. environment before you can step up to the podium and talk about changing the problems that affect all of us with collectively. That, well said, well said. And so if, and the first step towards correction is what a, uh, AA talks about, mm-hmm. you have to acknowledge yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. You have to. I, I'm in. I've been in AA forever, so <laughs> you're gonna speak my own language. One of the things I always say in the podcast is, one of the tropes of AA is you cannot transmit something you haven't got. Like you have to be living it, exuding it. You have to be an exemplar of the values and the ideas that you're espousing. Otherwise, it rings hollow. And I think in this junk food social media culture that we find ourselves in. There's a lot of people proselytizing about this and that, but you know, a lot of that is nonsense because talk is cheap. And if you're not actually, you know, living your life in accordance with what you're preaching, I think people's antennas, one of the things about social media is that we're all very attuned to what's real and what's fake, especially young people, they can yes. see it a mile away. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think there's so much strength and gravitas in in your message oriented around health because of your own personal experience. Well said, well said. And you know, and that connects to the whole earring piece on the campaign right. trail. Yeah. And Bring it back to the story. <laughs> you're, you're gonna answer this question. <laughs> <laughs> on the campaign trail. And I was with my son the first time it happened that that a group of young people that was just, you know, just disenchanted. And they said, we hear you politicians always come, you say everything we don't believe. And you know, young man stood up and say, well, you know what? If you get elected, 
um, to mayor. And I said, well, first it's the primary. He says, well, yeah. if you win the primary, would you piss your ears? <laughs> and I said, yes, I would. He said, yeah, uh -huh. everybody, the whole crowd was like, yeah, <laughs> BS, BS. Uh -huh. And so day after the primary, uh, my son said, promise made, promise kept, dad. Mm. And so went to the store, sat in the chair, and got the ears pierced. And it was really sending the message that this is a new day. You know, this is a new day. You're going to see an elected official that's going to push the boundaries. Yeah. And that's willing to say, I'm going to keep my promise. Number one, I'm not going to be on the campaign trail saying one thing and then, uh, you know, getting governing, mm -hmm. governance and do another. Yeah. And that's what it's about. Yeah. Did you, uh, did, did the kid who originally challenged you, do you, do you know who that, do you got, you have his name and stuff no, like we, that? No, we is put it like, out on social media. <laughs> I, I so saw the that. Team, the team is probably looking for it, you know, <laughs> I know. that he's going to. I feel to. like you, you need to, you need to have a tete-a-tete -tete with that kid now, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, and, and it is really, you know, this moment is exciting um, for so many reasons. And my team watched me uh, evolve you know, just as a human being, this evolution mm -hmm. that I'm going through, uh, you know, I'm nowhere near where I'm going to end, uh, but I'm evolving so much. And it was never about the destiny. My team heard me say this over and over again. It was never about, do I become mayor? It's the journey. For all I know is this journey is preparing me mm -hmm. for what my real purpose is. And there are hurdles I had to go through. And this was, this was a tough, tough, tough journey. Mm -hmm. We had incoming coming from all over the place, but we remained, we had a motto, stay focused, no distractions and grind. Mm -hmm. That was it. <laughs> yeah, I, I asked you right before we started recording, like how are you feeling? And you're like, not that you gotta, you gotta stay grounded, right? You can't fly too high, right? But you got a lot coming at you right now. And I can't yes. imagine what that's gonna look like. I mean, at this point, you know, New York City is 70% Demo Democrat. Uh, you know, it's a it's not a foregone conclusion, but you know, in all likelihood, you'll you'll be the mayor, and in that you know situation, there's going to be all kinds of insanity swirling around you. So true. Like, so how true. do you stay grounded with that job? By being true to yourself. You know, I know there are things I'm able to do. There are things I'm I am not able to do. And just remain committed. Wake up every day with the same focus that I've that I have had. Mm -hmm. You can't invent yourself a uh, day one as being mayor if you didn't have those same practices while you were going through life. And so, uh, you know, growing up uh, in South Jamaica, Queens, you know, mom moving us there from Brownsville, uh, you know, going through my entire educational experience, crying myself to sleep. I mean, literally of why I can't learn, why I'm in a classroom and I'm being bullied as the dumb kid and getting D's no matter how hard I tried and being told by my teachers I was lazy. And I'll never forget in third grade, one teacher smacking me so hard uh, that it left a handprint on my face uh, because they thought that, you know, I, I just didn't put in enough effort, but mm -hmm. I was trying every night, I was grinding. And it wasn't until I got into college, overheard a documentary on learning disabilities. And I said, wow, do I have a learning disability? I took out the documentary and realized that I did. And I was able to overcome that learning disability. Dyslexia or what, what was it? It was a combination of ADD and dyslexia. Uh -huh. It was a combination of, of the two. So, you know, I was in pretty bad shape. Yeah. And uh, I went from a D student to a on the dean's list. Mm. And it was amazing that I was undiagnosed. 
And my mother not understanding that, and I still think today that my brother is dealing with bipolar that was never uh, diagnosed. And because he never had, was lucky, like I was lucky to hear it, you know, his pathway went totally different from my pathway. Mm -hmm. But imagine how many children never had that luck. Mm -hmm. And they still are suffering from the outcomes. Yeah. Just one of the many epidemics that we're dealing with right now, mental health. Right. Especially in the wake of COVID with depression, anxiety, stress, all the pressures that everyday people are shouldering, just trying to pay the bills, make it through the day. That's right. And and we no longer believe. That's why this race was important on so many levels. And that's why uh, the campaign was not only built on a strategy of how to win, but a strategy of how to tell a story of the perfectly imperfect human being. Mm. I am so flawed, man. <laughs> you know, it's refreshing to hear you say that. My campaign, my campaign uh, uh, guru, uh, Nathan, he said, man, we're supposed to be in last place. <laughs> you know, because I am so flawed as a person. And I wanted to put my flawed person persona on Broadway. I wanted everyone who had a learning disability, everyone who's dealing with diabetes, everyone who was ever bullied, everyone who were, was arrested and beat by police. I want everyone to see, like, listen, man, this guy, this guy is able to become the mayor. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's a breath of of fresh air because we've developed this expectation of of how a politician speaks and the way they deliver their message and these carefully crafted stories that are meant to check certain boxes. And we've become, you know, inoculated against that. And there is this thirst, this hunger for something real and something true. It goes back to what I was saying earlier, this idea of people know when something is real and when it's crafted, when it's manufactured. Right, and that's the greatest gift I can give New Yorkers, which I'm hoping cascade throughout the entire country. Our Noah knows a lie in what's real. And we have stopped listening to ourselves. We know we we your spirit won't allow you to accept a lie. You know, my message resonated with people because they felt the authentic approach of it. We carried the we carried every New York is five boroughs. We carry four boroughs mm-hmm. in the city of all ethnicities. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that was that was the joy of this race. Right. Because I started and, to see you know, another, an underdog you know, candidate kind of creeping your way <laughs> up, right? Like sneaking past some bigger names. Yes. You yes, know, yes, along the yes, way. Yes. And all the shenanigans with the you know, the uh, all the stuff that got baked into the count and all of that. Yes. yes. Here you are, man. Yes. And and Swinging. it it feels good. Yeah. And we never there was never a time that the team felt as though we couldn't do it. Mm. Never, you know, all we knew we had to do was Rachel, put, you agree with that? <laughs> right here. We said to put <laughs> one, one foot in front of the other. That's all we did every day. You know, we had to raise $11 million. Think about how astronomical that is, $11 million. Where does a kid from Best Eye get $11 million from? But we just did one fundraiser at a time. 
Could have been five people there writing checks for $10. We took it, said thank you. And then they would call 10 more friends. <laughs> so what do you make of that, you know, as somebody who, uh, you know, of these humble upbring- this humble upbringing who's come so far in your life and achieved so much, when you reflect on that, what are the lessons, what are the, you know, principles that you've organized your life around that have allowed you to excel? We had a rock that we used to hold that said believe. And after every event, we will have everyone touch the rock. You know, we, because I believe that you, just as your fingerprints leave a DNA, your fingerprint of belief, I believe it leaves a DNA on everything. The people we come in contact with, if they believe their DNA of, of belief is going to impact you as well. And we wanted people to start believing in themselves and we really believe that we created this, just this energy of people of all ethnic groups, different languages and different cultures. They just believed. That's cool, man. <laughs> I gotta tell you, like looking at you, you don't, you don't look a day over 40. <laughs> you really don't. I mean, he's 61, Yes, 61. I mean, you know, like just the model of vitality. So I want to. I do want to get back yes, to the yes, health thing, man. Yes. Like, let's talk about that because yes. it's a crazy story. And I feel like you mentioned earlier the importance of telling a story, how you tell a story, the story that you are telling. There's so many issues that face New York; those require your focus and your attention. Um, the health piece is a big piece. I'm not sure that it really got. Um, that much focus in the campaign. Maybe that was intentional, maybe not, I don't know. Um, but that's a story that I think my audience wants to hear and I think is so powerful. It's so true. And nothing will impact a family more than health. Things we call a chronic disease and the sick care that we basically believe we have normalized sick care. Mm-hmm. We don't have health care, we have sick care. And I was the victim of that. At 54, 55, I received a uh, diagnosis that I was experiencing uh, late stages of diabetes, uh, caused vision loss. I woke up, couldn't see the alarm clock because my left eye was just shot. And the doctor said, listen, you're gonna lose your sight in a year, Eric. And had permanent nerve damage in my hands and feet they were tingling all the time. I thought it was just falling asleep. I was overweight, did mm-hmm. not realize that because I looked fine to right. me. But you know, throughout the years, you say, ah, I'm, I'm, I'm in my mid fifties. Filling out. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And- You're about I, 35, 40 pounds heavier. Yeah, about 35 yeah. pounds heavier. And I had this terrible feeling in my, my stomach. That's what sent me to the doctor in the first place. Because you know men, you have to drag us to the sure. doctor. You know, you yeah. suck it up, you know. That would be really bad. Right, right. Yeah. And I thought it was colon cancer because it was a knot that wouldn't move. It wasn't gas moving around. And when the doctor checked me, when I came out of sedation, he checked my colon in my stomach. He said, Edward, you have an ulcer. He, both, he said, but your real problem is your diabetes. He, he says, you in late stages. Mm. And I went to five of the best doctors in the city. And they all told me the same thing, that it was hereditary, that you know, there's not much you can do. You're going, to, you're going to be on insulin the rest of your life. You're going to be on medicine the rest of your, of your life. And that's just, I was like, no. Because yeah. <laughs> you know, my mom was diabetic for 15 years at the time, seven years on uh, insulin. 
And I just refused to accept that. My sister was experiencing, she lost a kidney through diabetes. Another sister lost a breast through breast cancer. Another brother was going through cancer as well. Another brother was dealing with prostate uh, uh, cancer. So it was the family was dealing with, we were at the stage of chronic diseases that's going to get those notifications one at a time. But given that you have it throughout your family history, and you on some level conscious or otherwise, you're experiencing these symptoms, you know something's wrong and you know diabetes is probably in the cards for you. It probably didn't come as that big of a surprise that that was something that you were contending with. Where does that impulse to say, I'm not having this and I'm going in another direction come from? That's because a great that's, question. <laughs> that's sort of at odds with the guy who refuses to go to the doctor. Right, right, know? right, right. There was, I think that Many of us, particularly men, women are not as bad as men, but particularly men, we sort of take this position, uh, well, I'll wait until next week. And we know never, next week never comes. And by the time we get inside that doctor's office, it's like, listen, you're in bad you're shape. You're going right into surgery. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it was really the, the pain, the ulcer saved my life. And because you remember diabetes is the number one cause of non-trauma limb amputation. Mm -hmm. I was having a neuropathic nerve damage and it was going to lead to that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the number one cause of blindness. Uh, it was, you know, the causes of all of these other, you know, kidney failures. And so going to the, the doctors was just to deal with that pain in my stomach. And later it gave me the pathway out. And so they gave me these pamphlets. All the doctors gave me pamphlets about living with diabetes. And I went to the computer and I typed one different word, reversing diabetes. I couldn't even tell you where it came from. It came from somewhere in the universe. The idea of just writing that word reversing down. Took me on a different search. Living with diabetes would have been one search engine in one direction, reversing took me on a different search right. path. Yeah, Neil Barnard pops up first probably with yes, that. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Then uh, Dr. Esselton and uh -huh. Dr. Uh, what's my good, Gregor. Gregor, and, yeah. Right. That's my crew. I <laughs> love yeah. those guys, you know? And I was able, I started reading and I was like, is this some national inquiry? Someone discovered someone from Mars or something? Cause it was so far fetched. Yeah. That, that was a foreign term, reversing chronic diseases. I never heard that before. Mm. And I just dug in and finally I, told, I called Dr. Esselton in, in the Cleveland Clinic. Yeah, He said, fly down to see him. And I, I spoke with him and he started telling me about what I should do. And I remember that day sitting there and I was like, what's wrong with this quack? <laughs> <laughs> I'm losing my sight and he's telling yeah. me to give up steak and chicken, but I had nothing to lose. Uh huh. And when I went, um, returned home and went through my pantry, my fridge, I said, wow, look at these labels. We're not even, even eating food anymore. The lights went on. It did, it yeah. did. It's interesting because there's something about having your back up against the wall, like being in that state of desperation that will summon the willingness to actually well make said. the change. It's like, you can educate yourself, you could have, read articles about Dr. Esselstyn or read his book or whatever, that's very different from actually implementing yes. the advice, right? right but you were right. in a state of you know, high agitation and, and motivation, right? Fear, fear which are, is the Which are, you know, it's like, you don't want people to suffer, but I'm also not so quick to try to 
deprive people of those moments because <laughs> right. they can catalyze incredible transformations. Without a doubt. I am who I am because of that, uh, that experience. Mm. And three weeks after going through a whole food plant-based diet, my vision came back. Three weeks. Three weeks. Went to How the, bad was your vision? It was, it was the doctor told me, uh, Eric, you have to turn in your driver's license. You are legally blind. You can no longer drive a car in the state of New York. And that first week, the food was so bad. <laughs> I, I was like, dear <laughs> Jesus, I have, to, I have to eat this. <laughs> I used to have a cereal in the morning with flaxseed mm -hmm. that I didn't know that you were supposed to grind the flaxseeds. Right. <laughs> you know? Otherwise, it just passed right through you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But then that Sunday, I was just in a state of just sadness. And I said, Eric, what's wrong with you? You know, you in this woe is me. Why not go to a why not me? Why not learn how to cook? Why not learn about spices? Why not learn about different cuisines? And I just dug into it. That next Monday, I woke up with a new energy and said, I'm going, every day I'm going to learn a different way of cooking and styles and my taste buds. And I was able to turn it around. And I, yeah. by the end of the second week, my food was tasting better. Three weeks late, later, I had a nice repertoire, about 10 different meals. And three months later, my diabetes was in remission. My nerve damage went away, the tingling was gone, my vision uh, was great, uh, everything changed. And my body just started shedding off all of those extra pounds and it was just an unbelievable transformation. It's wild, man. So your A1C was like 17 yes. and a half percent. Or Through the roof. Like that, which for people that don't know, it's almost like triple where it's meant to be. Right. It's down right. to like six now. Yes. Yeah. Is that 5.8 now? And no medication. No medication. No medication. People have such a hard time buying into this yes. or believing this, but you being a living example and, and, and being in this position of, of influence and power, I just think is really, is so palpable. What is the meaning of life? What happens when we die? What is our purpose here? If like me, you ponder these delicious existential questions, I have got just the thing for you. It's called Soul Boom. It's a podcast hosted by everyone's favorite best friend and my friend, the deep thinking and deeply hilarious Rain Wilson, where he communes with intellectuals and entertainers, theologians and philosophers in intimate exchanges that tickle the mind, heart, and yes, the soul. Subscribe to Soul Boom on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. You are listening to this podcast because you care about improving your health and your well being. But this quest is incomplete if you have yet to add my friend Dr. Rangan Chatterjee's Feel Better, Live More podcast into your listening quiver. An RRP favorite and someone I'm personally quick to call when I'm in need of good advice. From nutrition to mindset, fitness, and relationships, each episode is packed with the tools you need to become the architect of your health. Subscribe to Feel Better, Live More, available wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. There are certain rare people who have a powerful voice and know how to use it. 
My friend Amanda Decadene is one such human. The podcast is called The Conversation because it is the conversation, a groundbreaking series of raw and honest exchanges on the issues that matter most, mental health, sex, politics, ambition, gender roles, and more. Listen to The Conversation wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. What was your diet like prior? Like well, just well, fast you know, food and what, what are you eating before? Well, I'm a, I was a former police officer, so we should distill a myth. Do we like donuts? Yeah. Because yes, we do. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> and you need to get some hate for that. <laughs> and it was it was really just processed food. You know, I knew where every dollar menu was located for McDonald's. I, it had to be fried, sugar, processed, sweet, uh, just a real processed food diet, uh, over fat, over oil, over sugar, white flour. When I think about it now, I say, wow, the human body is so resilient mm -hmm. because the food we eat is just so bad. It's like, imagine having a Maserati and you keep putting uh, Windex in your or right. your gas tank. <laughs> I mean, it's just the body's just not made to eat what we're eating, yeah. and still it figures out how to function right. with that for quite a long time. Before but it's going it to it's going to break down. Yeah, it's going it's going to break down. And then when <laughs> when we're faced with the the prospect of putting something good into our body, we we balk at the idea. Right. You know? Right. But I think it's important for people to understand how those cravings change. Like. A lot of people would imagine that okay, you're just you're you're facing this death sentence, so fuck it. Like I'm just gonna I have to resign myself to this way of eating, and I'll just live my life in martyrdom and in misery right. because I have to. But in truth, as you've experienced, your taste buds, your cravings do change, and you begin to get excited and look forward to these healthy foods that actually nourish you. And I think that's a a pill that people have a hard time swallowing. Like they think it's. It's Dooming an room. exaggeration. No, is yeah. it that, 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 yeah, maybe that happened to you. I'm not sure I believe that, but that would never happen to me because I can't live without, you know, X, Y, or Z, fill in the well blank. Well said, well said. And you know, food is heroin. You know, let's be clear. Uh, that first week, uh, I was I, I was going through withdrawal, mm -hmm. you know, waking yeah, up. Yeah, oh, it was. You might as well. You take someone hooked hooked on heroin, put them in one room, and someone hooked on a a steak, you know, and all that other bad food, and take it away. I challenge you to tell me who's the heroin yeah. addict. And I know. Who's I, when I did it, I I had the sweats and just <laughs> you know, I was I had no energy. It took right. like two weeks to get over that hump. Yes, yes. But then you know, the lights go on. The sky's clear. That's right. And it's a well new said. day. Well said. And and mom, you know, she transitioned a few in April. Mm, I'm uh, sorry to hear that. And she 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 struggled with from the south, and she really leaned into the plant based lifestyle. And two months after going whole food plant based, she was able to cycle off her insulin in two months. She was 80. 81, 82 at the time. Wow. And it, can you imagine how many loved ones we lost, how many loved ones uh, lost their sight, uh, amputations,
kidney failure, dialysis. So when people tell me, well, it's hard. No, let me tell you it's hard. Going to dialysis three days a week, three hours a day, that's hard. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. well, that's what Esselstyn always says when people say, well, this is so extreme, this diet, it's so so radical. And he's like, what's radical is having your chest cracked open. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, that's radical. Like this is no big deal. Right, right. And it's it's, it's about, that's why I encourage people to, you know, my book, Healthy at Last, Mm -hmm. I encourage people to really do this holistic approach. Uh, get meditation into your life, breathing into your life. Uh, learn how to move just beyond uh, the uh, bad non-nutritional food you put in your mouth, but the non-nutritional things we do spiritually. You know, because just as our body uh, is is a physical body, there's an anatomy of our spirit, and we need to ensure that we have complete nourishment all the way around. Yeah, I appreciate that. I'm I'm completely down with that. You have to approach it from a holistic perspective. It's mind, body, spirit. It is. And spirit gets short shrift in our culture. We tend to think that that doesn't really matter. But if you don't think that the vibration that you're taking into your your being by dint of the information you choose to expose yourself to, the people you associate with, that has, you know, a similar impact that's not that different and the food so that true. you're taking in. So true, so true. And that's the goal. And people around you, if they love you, they're going to be supportive. And they don't have to go on that journey with you, but they should be supportive of it. And it is a real way to determine, uh, if is this person the individual that should be in my life? You know, because if you don't understand that I'm trying to do this journey, you're not supportive of that. It really says a lot. And I had a very supportive a group of people around me. And I never try to push my lifestyle off on people. I give you information. That's what the book was all about. Mm -hmm. It was about saying, here's the information, particularly the African-American and uh, the communities of color. Uh, Much of our food is connected to our colonials past. Mm -hmm. This was forced on our ancestors. And we have continued what slavery introduced into our lives. And I wanted to show people the real connection that the food you're eating is connecting to slavery. You may have left the plantation, but you're still enslaved. You know, that great documentary coming out, uh, They're Trying to Kill Us, I believe the name of it, is so important. I need my rap industry, my young artists, my Black Lives Matter movement, because the Black Lives really matters. Uh, it's more than just uh, George Floyd being murdered, it's the murder that's taking place every day in our cities that we feed people bad food. Yeah, 100%. Um, I'm involved in that movie behind the scenes. So <laughs> I've seen it many times, been working with those guys on the edit a little bit. And I can't wait for that movie to come out because it really makes that point so beautifully and in a manner that I think will be impactful to the communities that it is addressing. It's speaking that language. So true, you know? so true. And and uh, and I think it is important. I mean, look, the cut of your jib, like you know, two decades as a cop, you know, politician, <laughs> African American, soon to be mayor. Like, this is you know not the stereotypical you know quote unquote vegan guy, right? right like, right, it makes you right. a very interesting, intriguing, and unlikely ambassador of this type of message. And you know, I, or maybe I should just say plant based. But I also think that that gives you a certain resonance because of your life experience to speak to the communities that are so disproportionately impacted 
by our food system, our industrialized food system and the disproportionate impact that it has on their health. Mm. The food deserts, the food insecurity, the lack of consistent access to healthy food and how that trickles down into the skyrocketing diabetes rates and obesity rates and heart disease rates that we're seeing in underprivileged communities of color all across America. So true, so true. And you said you said something that was extremely important that about the movie and how it's going to speak to the language of people who probably would not have even engaged in Mm -hmm. this at all, because you could have the best message, but if it's not speaking the right language, no one is going to understand it. And this has been such a 20,000 feet message that people on the ground, they don't even have a clue what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. But when we go into our senior centers and our churches and other areas, and engage in a real conversation of, you know, his, this guy, Eric Adams, that we all knew from his fight for police reform, and he always had an authentic message. Now he's talking about this health piece. Let's take a moment and listen to what he's saying. And I can't tell you the number of emails, calls, people stop me on the street. Oh, my A1C dropped five, six points. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know what an A1C is? <laughs> <laughs> but they've, you know, people have finally, uh-huh. They believe that, wait a minute, this is not my faith. You know, I don't have to live like this. That's empowering. So mm-hmm. imagine uh, becoming the mayor and now I can impact the food with serving the underserved communities. This is an amazing opportunity uh, to do it. We get uh, it right here in New York. We can change this yeah, entire Yeah, What country. happens in New York sets the stage and the tone for all across America in the world. So well it is you know, on a tactile level, very powerful, but on a symbolic level, perhaps even more powerful because the decisions that you're gonna make and the policies that you're gonna push forward, people are gonna be noticing and paying attention to that. Well said, right? well said. So in terms of that, I mean, I know as Brooklyn Borough President, you've made great progress in terms of healthy nutrition in schools, trying to reform nutrition in hospitals, and you have this educational program at Bellevue. So it's educating the future, the generation of doctors, it's getting kids you know, hooked on healthy food as opposed to unhealthy food. You've incorporated all of these principles in, in your office. You know, <laughs> and I, it's a crazy situation with what you do personally and with all the exercise equipment and the food <laughs> prep and all that kind of stuff, which we can talk about. But when you cross the bridge and you're in Manhattan and you're sitting in that chair, what is the, What's the plan? Like, how are you going to be able to scale these ideas to impact New York City more broadly? And, and think big, really thinking big and not being afraid to fail. And that is, we've lost our adventurous uh, outlook. You know, we are explorers by existence. If we weren't, we, we would be still standing on one rock and not exploring this entire globe. And we need to think differently and surround ourselves with people who are willing to think differently. And that's the real problem. Uh, We are stagnant as a nation. We're going through the motion. We're just continually uh, getting up time to make the donut, time to make the donut. No Mm -hmm. one is saying, let's think out beyond that. And so we're going to lean into hydroponic, vertical farmings, even as the discussion continues around, uh, does the soil play a more important role or not? Let's get there. (laughs) Let's be clear on one thing. We know the food that we are feeding our people now is unhealthy. 
and not everyone is going to eat organic from the soil. We know that fertilizers is, is, is doing a number on us. So we're going to really push uh, the envelope on how do we teach children how to grow healthy food? How do we teach children to have a nutritional-based education, to learn the origin of food, to learn spices, mm -hmm. uh, in-home economic classes? I, I was blown away to find out the power of spices. Some spices are more healthy than the food we eat. I like how excited you get talking about <laughs> spices. <laughs> and, and, and so the goal is we're going to start from the place. We should not feed the crisis. What you put on your grill in the backyard is beyond my control. But you are not going to come into a governmental agency as a prisoner, and I'm going to feed you unhealthy food if you're incarcerated. As a child in ACS, I'm not feeding you unhealthy food. If you're in my health and hospital system, you're not getting healthy food, and I'm not feeding those 960,000 meals a day in the Department of mm -hmm. Education to be unhealthy food. We're gonna look at wherever we're feeding to make sure at a minimum, you're getting healthy, good tasting food. So we don't feed the healthcare crises because that's what we're doing now. Right. I love the idealism of it, but I'm not as sanguine about the idea of moving these powerful lobbying efforts and bureaucracies and unions and everything that gets packed into kind of calcifying these systems. Like I know many people over the years have tried to venture into the school lunch situation and revamp it and make it more healthy. And a lot of people sort of retreat, you know, hat in hand because <laughs> it's so much more difficult than you would suspect it to be. So right, right. is there a particular strategy that you have for being successful where others haven't been? That's a great question. First, you have to start off with, it's beautiful to be idealistic, but also you must become realistic. That realism should not take you off your path, but you can't just live through life through the lens of idealism. Mm. And you scale up. That's a powerful term, scaling up. It may start with just one borough. Let's get it right. Let's iron out the kinks. Let's figure it out, then let's scale it up to another borough. It may start with, uh, as we were talking, I was talking to my team earlier, let's just start with vertical farming, growing our tomatoes. We're no longer purchasing our tomatoes. Let's take the trucks off the road coming from Mexico. Let's just create a great experience in Brooklyn of how do we grow all the tomatoes that the Department of Education mm. is going to use. It's going to come from our vertical farming where we're going to employ people. We're going to take trucks off the road. We're going to send the children there and let them be part of the civic engagement of bringing those fresh tomatoes to our uh, places where we have food apartheid. Now they're engaged. Hey, you know what else we can do now that you learn how to grow the tomatoes? Let's try some lettuce. <laughs> you know, let's try some spinach. We can scale up. If you if you try to come in automatically and change school food overnight, you're setting yourself up for failure and frustration. No, let's empower on the ground. Let's let's say to Miss Jones, you know that asthma that your son is experiencing, that that, that uh, obesity that he's experiencing. Let me show you what this food is doing to him every day. Now that organic uh, movement is going to change the system and understanding how to build organic movements is going to allow me to be successful here. Mm. Yeah, the potential, the possibilities are endless with all the rooftops that this city has to offer That's and right. all the vacant underutilized lots that are sitting idle right now. If you can get a team of Ron Finley's and Steven Ritz's and create excitement within the local communities and 
establish education programs that get kids plugged into this early, that's the future. Yes, it is. You know? And remember the economics, urban farming is here. Uh, urban farming is, and it ties into the holistic approach. We can't talk about saving our environment without engaging the conversation about our overconsumption on meat and dairy. So it's a level of hypocrisy when we point into cars and buildings and I tell all of my environmentalists, hey, don't forget to chicken feed. When we talk about what's happening to our Amazon, <laughs> let's be honest about this. And that's the kind of the conversation that I'm going to force. I'm not going to allow us to just take those com comfortable conversations. It's easy to say, okay, let's do something about the builders. No, let's do something about that steak that you are about to eat right now. And if you're true, to this, then you're going to make the sacrifices you're asking building owners to make. And if you're not, don't sit down at the table and engage in this conversation. Uh -huh. Yeah, there's gonna be some uncomfortable conversations around. <laughs> Discomfort is growth. <laughs> yeah, know, right? <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, you know, I, I, 100%, man. It is. It's always frustrating to hear, uh, you know, quote unquote environmentalists speak to the issues that relate to the Amazon, et cetera, and, and have this blind spot when it comes to the meat and dairy industry. And Don't even want to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, um, or do the, do the conference that's sponsored by the meat and dairy industry. Sure, <laughs> you know? yeah, there's a lot of that. But, and, and, that's what we, and young people have now, they're moving to this place of truth. They're not going to allow hypocrisy to remain anymore. They're now drilling into, okay, who's your sponsor? <laughs> what is your right. sponsor doing? Right, they're very attuned to transparency. Oh, without a doubt. And I think any business owner who doesn't get that is doomed from the start. Without if a doubt. If you're not transparent about how you're making whatever it is you're making and the distribution that goes into the product that you're selling and you're not, you don't have baked into the mission statement of your business, some form of meaningful giving back then it's not gonna work. No, it's not, no, it's not, no, it's not. But then we've challenged them also. You know, that's why the movie They're Trying to Kill Us is so important. Cause you can live in a state of denial, but once you are exposed, you have to make a decision. Yeah. Are you going to be true to who you say you are? Yeah. It's tough, man. You know, short of you having this health crisis, could you have gotten over that hump? Had you been who you were, you know, 10 years ago and you sat down and watched They're Trying to Kill Us without your segment in there, obviously, <laughs> would that have impacted you or how would that have impacted you? It, I, don't, I don't believe it would have. I believe I would have stated that, okay, that's going to happen to the next guy. Or I would have stated, okay, when I start uh, receiving symptoms, then you know what, I'll, I'll think, it. right, I'll think about mm -hmm. it. But in this space, too many young people are watching their parents inject themselves with insulin. And it's all about motivators. What's your motivator? And I love when I talk to men that are experiencing ED and I give them the connection of that, you listen, your erectile dysfunction is based on what you're eating. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you want to motivate a man? Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, so yeah. it's about let me find your motivator. You know, your son or daughter's going through asthma or, or diabetes, uh, type two diabetes. Let me show you why that baby is going through that. When you find a person motivate, motivator, mm -hmm. it will motivate them to change. Cause you are, you're right. Right. 
you have to be motivated. Well, not only that, you have to change the medical paradigm because so many people who do experience these symptoms go to their doctor and the doctor says, well, here, they, they tell them exactly what your doctor told you. And somehow we've decided as a culture that whatever your doctor says, you know, cannot well, be challenged. It's <laughs> like, well, my doctor told me to do this. That is what I'm gonna do and I can't hear otherwise. Well said, well said. And so that's why we're really happy with our Bellevue project with Dr. McMacken. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing yeah, project. She's the best. She is, and, but never received the support. We had to really uh, drag uh, Health and Hospital ahead. But now we have a real team with Dr. Katz, who's over H&H. Uh, he's excited about the possibilities. He's, he's an amazing person there. Uh, although David did a presentation for us one time at uh, Downstate to a group of doctors. And so here we have one of the largest hospital systems in America we're going to use as a laboratory for the entire country. And when we show the evidence and the data, can't deny it anymore. And we're saying, let's give people the options. If you want to go the insulin route, you have the right to do so. But at least you should walk into your doctor's office and learn about uh, plant-based lifestyle medicine. Mm -hmm. Right now, you don't have that option. No, no, no. So when you're mayor and the, the New York Post headline is, you, you could just see it, you could write it in your mind, right? Yes. Eric Adams is gonna take away your cheeseburger right. or something right. like that, right? Like it's a delicate um, line that you walk because you wanna be this, this ambassador, um, this living emblem of healthy, vital living. And yet at the same time, not be in the business of telling people how they should be living their lives. So true, so true. Yeah. And, and, and we're clear on that. Uh, the goal is number, number one, the Marines to control the beach. The first arm of our army must be information. We must have a major information campaign. They're trying to kill us. All of these uh, documentaries, well done about food and what food is doing to our environment. Remember, we control our curriculum for the Department of Education. We're going to make sure uh, that those first few uh, months, uh, our young people are going to be engaged over and over again about what food is doing to our country. This is going to be a youth-led movement because all the great movements, movements we've had uh, they were actually uh, implemented by young people. Those, they blow the winds of change. Sure. And so by having these young people engage and inform, you're going to see a different energy in this city of demanding, we don't want this in our cafeteria. We don't want this food and we want options because the goal is to get people to the place of saying, we want options. We're not even there yet, you know? And we were successful in the vegetarian diets. We were successful with Meatless Mondays. And we have been successful. People thought it was impossible. Right, what was the other, the initiative, the, the baloney? The right, new, ban the baloney. Ban the baloney. You know, getting rid of processed meat. Yeah. When you start to think about it, that we're serving food that we know is a type one carcinogen. And so when I go back and reflect on my mom, uh, when we were going through tough economic times, we were going to the government to receive the surplus food, uh, processed cheese, canned meat, powdered eggs, powdered milk. Imagine people at their most dire and difficult time. We are going to the government and the government is saying, hey, we 
going to give you food to feed your chronic disease. Instead of saying, we're going to give you food to make you healthy. Yeah. And that's over 45 years ago. Look what happened during COVID. Yeah. We fed almost 200 million New Yorkers and the food we fed them fed their pre-existing conditions. Instead of building their, strengthening their immune system so they can be prepared to fight against COVID, we were giving them chicken McNuggets and other yeah. food that was actually harming their immune system. Yeah, I mean, every spoke in the wheel is broken. You know, back to this idea of this holistic organism, whether it's the human body or the city of New York or the globe at large, everything has to be functioning in balance and properly. And right now we have a, you know, conglomerized, industrialized food system that's basically uh, you know synergized with big pharma to such an extent that we feed the people the food that makes them sick that then leads them to be dependent on pharmaceuticals for the rest of their lives as you were told and inevitably uh, leads to the healthcare crisis not just the healthcare crisis but the sort of the the, the institution of healthcare being broken in and of itself that's driving not only economic divide, but economic disaster as it bankrupts our country it with costs spun out so of control. Well. Yes. And we're so quick to prescribe these medications and, and so resistant to cheaper solutions earlier in that cycle that would prevent the inevitable demise to come that becomes so much more costly in the end. And it's not sustainable. We have to reach the point that we comprehend that this system is not sustainable. It's going to bankrupt our country. You have uh, millions of people who are a diabetic, a substantial number are pre-diabetic waiting on deck. Uh, the cost of just sustaining the system is just not yeah. in the human cost. The losing loved ones to a chronic disease, you know, you have a chronic disease, it hijacks your life. You're no longer who you are. You sit at a terminal in your office staring at the screen because you're worrying about the results of that test. The productivity yeah. is shot. And that's what we tr we're trying to save our country. And it's based on this ecosystem that you're talking about. This is, this is not cost effective at, at all. No, and, and the change that you wanna provoke can't be shouldered by the individual. You have to create <laughs> right. environments that are conducive to the healthier choice, well right? Because well otherwise, you know, not everybody's gonna have their, their, their come to Jesus moment like you, right. you had, right? right? Like, so how do we catch people before that? Well, we create environments that are conducive to that healthy choice in the schools, in the hospitals, in the corporations. And I think resolving those problems has to deal with confronting the misalignment of incentives that currently are at play right now. Well, we're, incentivized, we're incentivizing people to make the unhealthy choice because it's the, it's the accessible choice, it's the cheapest choice. And when people don't have a lot of options, you can't fault them for making that choice. Without so you have to really you know, kind of create a new foundation in order to, to, to compel the kind of change you wanna see at, at the highest level macro and they need wins. And, but think about it for a moment, go back 40 years, walk into a conference and all you will see, uh, you may see a pitcher of water and the rest will be sugary drinks. Mm -hmm. Go back now, you see just the opposite. You may see a pitcher of sugary drinks, 
but you'll see a whole host of different flavored water, bottled water. Uh, we have incentivized uh, new producti productivity of tasty waters or even the basic water because now the motivator was there. And I think the industry is going to change when we start incentivizing and giving different motivations and consumer demands. Yeah. That's going to yeah. motivate this. And, and that, that's driven by young people yes. fundamentally. And yes. you know that's why every fast food restaurant now has a Beyond Burger or an Impossible Burger. It's not because they're altruistic, it's because <laughs> this is what people want and right. the market has spoken. So leveraging the capitalistic machine and trying to drive it in a better direction, of course. That's and it's quite possible. part of the solution. And so if we move, if we put the right incentives in place, if we, uh, I'll never forget going to a food pantry and handed someone a beat and it was like, what do I do with this? Right. <laughs> but if we were in those food pantries, we would incentivize food cooking classes of teaching people how to eat healthy, how to prepare the food, how to make sure it's tasty, because food must look good, it must be good, but don't, it's gotta taste good. Yeah, <laughs> well, we only have a couple minutes left, so I think that's a great segue into into you know how you how you do this right because you're preparing it's look nobody's busier than you are right <laughs> like let's be honest about it and somehow you figured out how to carve out time to essentially have control over your food by preparing your own meals and doing meal prep on the weekends but for somebody who's listening to this who's saying listen you know I'm working two jobs you're telling me I got to learn how to cook I got to do all this stuff like I'm already strapped how am I going to do that and they're right, and there's several barriers. The barrier of affordability. We have to be honest about people believe that eating healthy is not affordable, which is wrong. Uh, you can grab a bag of lentils and eat healthy for the entire week on that $3 bag of lentils if you're on a, a bad budget, where you, that's a healthy meal. Get some kale, some lettuce. You could do everything from a lentil burger to a lentil stew to uh, lentil pancakes that I made the other day. Uh -huh. There's so much you can do <laughs> with that one bag of lentil that you're not really stagnant in the meals that you are, you are preparing. That's the same with black beans, the same with uh, kidney beans. And so the most important thing that I say to people is uh, don't rush yourself through this. Start at a slow pace because it's a lifestyle change. And a lifestyle change is not a sprint, it's a marathon. And learn some good meals. Number one, the meals that you could take your time to prepare, your fast meals, and the meals that you can have on the go when you're coming in and out of your home, when you're tired and you don't want to go to those bad meals. Like I learned how to make uh, oatmeal overnight. Uh, still cut oats, you put it in a, a nice mason jar with some fruits and some berries and whatever, some cinnamon, you let it sit overnight and it actually uh, cooks overnight in the fridge and it's a great meal that you can have throughout the day. So there's so many tips of how to just change your mindset of how to ensure you get and receive the healthy meals. And that's what the book, my book, Healthy At Last, I show some great recipes. I tell people to always go to the recipe section first. So you can see, we're not talking about walking around with kale in your pocket all the time. We're talking about some good tasting meals uh, that are comfort food and enjoyable mm. in the process. So walk me through your typical day in food and exercise. 
first, I want to take a quick peek into my uh, previous day, waking up with the two eggs on a roll with bacon and some butter on both sides and some processed jelly on it. Uh, that is how I started my day. That's how I broke my fast, and I would gulp down a nice 16-ounce glass of high sugar, let me feed your diabetes orange juice, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? And so that's how I started my day every day. You know, let me hit that. I didn't even have to order it when I walked into the store. They already had it prepared for me, <laughs> you know? But now I start with an amazing smoothie, uh, a smoothie made out of kale, cups of blackberries or blueberries, and a couple of superfoods, uh, Malcolm powder uh, and other powders that I mix in it. Uh, I, I, I see, uh, how we get it always get it wrong, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, but I, I mix it in and it is unbelievable how it holds me throughout mm -hmm. until midday and how good I feel. My energy is up. I'm not that lethargic that comes with having to process all that heavy food. And then in the middle of the day, probably 1.30, 2 o'clock, I'll do a nice lentil noodles with some nutritional yeast, mushrooms, uh, spinach, and kale. You, just, you cook that in your, you got a kitchen in your office, right? right. Or yeah. I would prepare it at home and, and then warm it up uh, later, or I put it in a food warmer. If I'm on the road sometime, I'll leave it in a food warmer. There's some great technology out there. If you are on the road all the time, you can plug a food warmer up inside your cigarette lighter because you shouldn't be smoking anyway. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, put on your cigarette lighter <laughs> and it'll keep it nice warm for you. Mm. So look at the technology that's out there that can actually assist you in getting a healthy meal so you don't make those those bad stops. Or chop up some fruits and, and just nibble on, on that throughout the day or make myself a nice stew. I have a great stew that I love made out of mushrooms. I will liquefy the mushrooms uh, with other spices and then mix it with a, some chopped vegetables and other things or some sweet potato cornbread and wrap it up and eat it throughout the day. My three ingredients, ice cream, late at night uh -huh. when I just want to have some comfort food, frozen bananas, fresh made peanut butter and uh, cacao powder with some berries and some other chopped fruits. And I'm telling you, it is the bomb. Later <laughs> yeah, for haagen yeah, right. You talk about it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and how much time goes into the meal prep? And you know, I, I, I wanna sort of dispel this, this idea that it's completely time consuming. Like it's consuming all your time. Just the opposite. Days. Sundays, during and the you're day, not, you don't have any. You don't have a chef at home who's doing. No, this no, this is okay. all all me. Yeah. Sunday during the day, or Saturday night, I'll take out my veggie processor, food processor, uh -huh. or any food processor, and I will chop up my kale, my spinach, my lettuce, my bok choy, and I'll put it in Tupperware or so that it's ready. So during the week, I'm just grabbing a handful of each, putting it into my salad mixer or I already will have uh, my fruits cut up for the week or already know how I'm going to do my smoothies during the week. And so this way I'm ready to go. Or the night before I can make my smoothie because you know, starting your, how you break your fast is really how you're going to start your day. You could get in that smoothie every day, a good healthy smoothie and a good salad, leafy salad. That's a great start for you as you move through throughout the day. Yeah, yeah, I think just making those steps kind of invests you, it connects you emotionally what you're doing. And over time that makes you more interested in taking the next step. Without a doubt, you know? without a doubt, so um, true. We're almost out of time here, but maybe a good way to close this is to leave people with some 
some thoughts on on how to effectively make this transformation. You spoke about making sure to the extent that you can control it, having support, like the having your inner circle be supportive of positive lifestyle changes that you're trying to make. Like what else has been important or do you think is crucial for people to understand? Or really tap into this, it, it, it surprises me for f- over 50 years how wrong I was living. And I encourage people, that person that they always wanted is still there. <laughs> it didn't go anywhere. <laughs> that amazing person that you know you are, it is there. If you struggle with weight all your life, if you struggled with uh, how you respond in the heat of the moment, if you found yourself being short-tempered, if you find yourself always lethargic, constipated, tired, angry, you can actually have a complete reversal. From your diet to learning breathing, we've never been taught how to breathe. It's unbelievable, the most important thing you could do for yourself, we've never been taught. We never sat down and taught children, this is how you're supposed to breathe. How do you deal with stress? How do you deal with anxiety? And so go on this amazing journey of watching how you really start taking care of this most important person in your life, and that's yourself. And you will never believe the human being you knew you could always become is going to like materialize out of nowhere. <laughs> and I just encourage people just to take the leap of faith. Start slowly. Don't try to change overnight. Just slowly start. If you just say, let me just go read up on spices. Let me learn about nutmeg and garlic and cinnamon and turmeric. And then start, let me just try one day a week not having meat. And you're going to find out the sun comes out. <laughs> and then start, let me just learn about these different breathing exercises that have been around for thousands of years and what meditation actually is. And people are going to slowly start adding things to their repertoire, more and more things, and they're going to find themselves becoming this totally different human being, but a human being that they always were. And then they're going to really start not just existing, they're going to start living life every day. I think you stuck the landing, my friend. <laughs> if this whole mayor thing doesn't work out, I see a future in in in, in being a preacher or something. <laughs> um, amazing! Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. <laughs> like I said at the outset, there are so many other things I'd love to talk to you about. So perhaps we can. Uh, this is round Continue one. this at a future date. <laughs> um, but I'm I'm so excited for. Uh, Uh, what's to come for you, the future of New York. Congratulations on everything and I I wish you well and I'm at your service. Thank you. We look forward to keeping you updated. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as we move on one year, two year, three year, four year to see the the productivity. I'm gonna hold you to it. Yes. (laughs) Accountability, right? You wanna surround yourself with people who are supportive, but also hold you accountable. Without a doubt, yeah. that's why I have the earring. Yeah, <laughs> there you go, right? Um, the book is Healthy at Last. Everybody pick it up, A Plant-Based Approach to Preventing and Reversing Diabetes and Other Chronic Illnesses by Mr. Eric Adams, soon to be mayor of New York City. And I will talk to you again, my friend. Yes, thank you. All right, peace, plants. <laughs>
Visit the episode page at richroll.com where you can find the entire podcast archive, as well as podcast merch, my books, Finding Ultra, Voicing Change and the Plant Power Way, as well as the Plant Power Meal Planner at meals.richroll.com. If you'd like to support the podcast, the easiest and most impactful thing you can do is to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and on YouTube and leave a review and or comment. Supporting the sponsors who support the show is also important and appreciated. And sharing the show or your favorite episode with friends or on social media is of course, awesome and very helpful. And finally, for podcast updates, special offers on books, the meal planner and other subjects, please subscribe to our newsletter, which you can find on the footer of any page at richroll.com. Today's show was produced and engineered by Jason Camiolo with additional audio engineering by Cale Curtis. The video edition of the podcast was created by Blake Curtis with assistance by our creative director, Dan Drake. Portraits by Davy Greenberg, graphic and social media assets courtesy of Daniel Solis, Dan Drake, and AJ Akpodiete. Thank you, Georgia Whaley for copywriting and website management. And of course, our theme music was created by Tyler Pyatt, Trapper Pyatt, and Harry Mathis. Appreciate the love, love the support. See you back here soon. Peace, plants. (laughs) 